0: Thank you. Thanks so much for having me tonight, it's great to be here with you and I didn't know when we organised for me to come tonight, I don't know if you'd realised either that it's 12 months since the Fever Baptist and the Port Church joined together, it's just really exciting to see what God has been doing here um, over the last 12 months. With my uh, role in the ministry team with Baptist Churches, I get to visit a lot of the churches um, that are part of our movement and I'm always so encouraged to see and to hear um, what God is doing and so I get the privilege tomorrow of going back to the team and talking about how great you all are and um, what we celebrated tonight and all the good things that are happening here. Uh, Ben told me you've been doing this series talking about this idea of following Jesus. Um, And he said, do you think you've got anything you might want to add to that? And I said, well, you know, we'll see how we go. Uh, But essentially, I want to talk to you tonight about your feet, which might seem like a really strange topic, but I don't know how often you think about your feet. Have a look at your feet right now. They've probably got shoes or socks on them or sandals or all kinds of things happening to them. Uh, but I want us to think about our feet and the idea of walking. One of the things I love about this phrase, follow me, that Jesus says, he doesn't say, believe in me, although that is a true thing to do. And he doesn't say, think about me. And he doesn't even say, love me. He says to his disciples, follow me. And you follow with your feet. <laughs> it's actually a very practical, grounded Day by day, step by step reality to follow Jesus. And over the last couple of years, I've really um, been challenged about this whole idea of our feet. And the idea of walking. And I'll tell you a little bit about myself and how this has happened for me because I don't want to get the wrong idea and think that this is kind of something that comes naturally to me. I tend to be a person who's probably more in my head uh, and thinks about things. And so when I you know, talk about Jesus and I think about following Jesus and I want to you know, love Jesus in, in my heart. But it's often, I guess what I grew up with was that faith in Jesus is quite internal and private and personal. And I don't think that's how Jesus works at all. I've been really challenged that following Jesus is something that we do in ways that are embodied. Actually, our whole bodies matter, including our feet. And in ways that are public and that are connected to the community and that are out loud and out there, not just in here, and something that I kind of hold to myself. Um, And so God has been using over the last couple of years this idea of our feet and walking to really challenge me Um, with that. i can tell you a couple of stories that we tell you a little bit about me. I love to travel. I don't know if you can see my shoes that I'm wearing tonight from where you are, uh, but my shoes have a map of the world on them. Uh, someone bought these for me because they thought it was would fit me very well. I've had the privilege of travelling over the last few years. I worked for a mission organisation for a few years. So I got to travel to lots of different places. Um, and, but I just love, it. one of my favourite things to do is just travel to a new place. And what I us- usually do, and I'd never thought about it until it didn't happen, but when I get to a new place that I've never been before, sort of get off the plane, get to where I'm staying, drop my bags, and then I go for a walk. Because I want to get to know the neighbourhood and I want to see the place. I want to get a sense of it and engage with it. And walking the streets is really helpful. And then about two and a half years ago, I think Christmas a couple of years ago, um, I went to Barcelona in Spain. I'd never been there before, never been to Spain, never been to that part of the world. Really excited. Got off the plane, got the train to my accommodation, dumped my bags and then realised I was kind of on the edge of town. And so I jumped on the train. And Barcelona has one of those underground subway trains. And so I jumped on the train, went under the whole city, kind of popped up in the middle and found myself right there. And for the next four days, I was so disoriented. I could not get my bearings. I didn't have a sense of this city where I was. And I kept getting lost and not finding things. And I realised there's something that happens when you walk a place with your feet (laughs) that I had completely missed, I'd missed grounding myself, orienting myself, getting a sense of direction because I hadn't used my feet. So that was a real challenge to me. The second story I tell you about myself is I can be just a little bit clumsy. And probably one of the clumsiest things I've ever done is a year year and a bit ago, uh, I broke my ankle. So I, I broke my ankle previously playing basketball. This time I broke it walking down the street which makes me feel very old I tripped over in a pothole and broke my ankle so that was you know one thing you can relate to that anyway as I had my broken ankle I was going to the doctor to have a checkup on it one day parked my car was in a rush got out of the car went to pay for a parking ticket tripped over and sprained my other ankle so I had both my ankles strapped for a couple of weeks and just felt like such an idiot. How clumsy am I? They've done both my ankles. And so I couldn't walk for a while. But it wasn't so much that as then when I got, you know, got healed, the second one wasn't too bad, got out and then, you know, first one got, got the braces off and I would find myself walking. I live in the city, in the CBD, and I find myself walking watching my feet constantly, because I had suddenly become paranoid that I was going to trip over, that I didn't know how to walk anymore. And I remember thinking to myself, is this ever going to stop? Am I just for the rest of my life going to be doing this? Just watching where I placed my feet, because I was so worried that I was going to do it again. But it was an interesting experience to be watching my feet as I walked to be thinking about where I was placing them, to make sure I was placing them on solid ground, on straight ground. I wasn't twisting, I wasn't turning, I was doing it really well. So again, it kind of added to this idea, what are you trying to say to me, God? This theme of feet keeps coming up. Uh, Over the last year or so, with my church in particular, we've been exploring what it looks like to live in relationship with our Indigenous brothers and sisters. Um, that's another thing I tell you about myself, a person who kind of loves a bit of history and particularly did my family history over the last few years. And my family history uh, is very white Australian. Pretty much everyone in my family came from England over 150 years ago. They all came by boat. Um, and you know, that's, that's my family story, not, my, not, not too much to it. But realising some of the interactions that my family have had over those years with the people who were here before us, And what does it mean for me to live in a place, and in particular to walk on a land that is not first my own, to actually be a second citizen of this nation? And I've been really challenged as I've gotten to know some of my Indigenous Christian brothers and sisters, how they think about the land of this country, and in particular the idea of walking on country, and the connection between their feet and the land, that is not something that is part of my experience. I still don't fully understand it, Um, but it's been such an incredible challenge to listen and to try and learn what does it mean to think about where I place my feet in terms of the land on which I live and walk. I've grown up probably like most of you, most of the time not getting around on my feet, driving, trains, buses, cars, you know, all these modes of transport that are disconnected from my feet and the land. And I've been really challenged again by this whole idea. And then finally, as Ben mentioned, I teach at Table, and last year I had the privilege of taking a, a study tour. We've done a couple of times before, but last year we took a group of students to the lands of the Bible. So we took a group of students to Israel. We had a couple of weeks there and in Jordan, and we came back and we had a, a Tumblr where we all sh- Flickr, Sorry, not Tumblr, wrong one. Where we all shared our photos from the trip. So we had this kind of website where everyone just dumped all their photos and so there was thousands of photos from you know, this massive group of people who all took way too many photos. And so just scrolling through them really, really quickly, I was shocked at how many photos people had taken of their feet. Something happens when you take a group of people to the land in which Jesus walked to the land in which Abraham walked and Paul walked and David walked, people just can't believe that their feet are standing on the same road that Jesus walked on, that our feet are walking in the, through a gate that Abraham walked through. And so we just, you know, stopping and taking photos of our feet, but it really doesn't help. But trying to capture that sense of connection that comes from walking in the footsteps of those who have gone before, quite literally. And so this is a photo of my feet on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, because I did the same thing. I am standing on the shores of this sea where Jesus was walking when he first said to his disciples, Come, follow me. And for them it meant getting out of the boat, putting their feet onto the shore and following in his footsteps, quite literally, And my feet are standing on the same shore that Jesus was standing on with his disciples after his resurrection. At the end of the Gospel of John, we read the story, when again they've gone out back back out fishing because Jesus has died and what else are you going to do? And they see Jesus on the shore and Peter comes swimming in and they walk together, Jesus and Peter, on the shore. And again, Jesus says to Peter those same words that he said right at the very beginning, follow me, as they walk in one another's footsteps together. And so I've been thinking a lot about my feet and walking. And as I said, I want to challenge you tonight to think about your feet and walking. How often do you think about where you place your feet, the footsteps in which you walk, and how does that connect to your relationship with Jesus? What I've kind of been amazed to discover, which may not surprise you, but surprised me, that when I went to the Bible, how often throughout the Scriptures we read about our feet and the ideas of walking. Seriously, once you start looking for it and you see it, you realise it's everywhere. <laughs> Let me give you a bit of the picture. If you go right back to the beginning of the Bible in Genesis, when God created Adam and Eve and placed them in a garden, we read that he walked with them in the garden. They actually walked with God, his footsteps and their footsteps. Now, I can't tell you what that looked like. <laughs> you know, that seems a completely different world to the one in which we live. But that is the image we are given of a God who created us to be in relationship with him to the point that he would walk with us in the cool of the evening, that he would hang out with them, step by step, speaking to them, I imagine, walking alongside them day by day. And then you go to Genesis chapter 12 and you really get the beginning of the historical story of the people of God in the Bible, in the Old Testament, with the call of Abraham, this man whom God promises to be the father of a great nation that he will bless and through whom he will bless the world. And the call to Abraham, God says, walk before me all the days of your life. Now, sometimes that gets translated a bit more metaphorically as live before me all the days of your life. And this often happens in the Bible, I think, particularly in English. where Westerners take something that is practical and grounded and turn it into something that's a bit more you know, thoughtful and a bit more intellectual. But the image is, you will walk before me all the days of your life, God says to Abraham. And in fact, when God promises Abraham a land in which he and his descendants will dwell, he says to Abraham, go to that land and walk every corner of it. Abraham is actually to walk from one end to the other, to walk it out, to step it out, to pace it out to say, this is where God is calling to me, me, you to be. Place your feet on the land which I will give you. And then the story goes on. Abraham's, the promise to Abraham is fulfilled and the descendants of Israel are numerous and they're rescued from God out of the land uh, of Egypt where they've been kept in, slave, in slavery. And again, you have these amazing stories all along the way that I don't have time to go into. But when God parts the sea for them to cross over, what they have to do before God parts the sea is actually walk into the water They actually have to place their feet in the water and then it parts. They don't get to stand on the edge and just go, come on, God, do your thing. (laughs) They actually have to step out and step into it in faith. And then God does what he said he would do. And after God gives them the law, you read in the book of Deuteronomy, over and over again, the people are called to walk with God, walk in his ways, they are told. That's the law, the heart of the law. I will be your God and you will be my people and you will walk with me and I will walk with you. This very physical, concrete reality. Um, You might think of passages like Isaiah 52, one of the famous lines of the prophets, where Isaiah um, is talking about the the fact that God reigns and he says, uh, how beautiful in the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. Again, the feet show up all over the place. It is the ones who walk and run and bring the message in reality in a concrete, grounded way. The Proverbs over and over talk about placing your feet on the straight paths and walking in the narrow ways and walking in the right and truth and God God guarding and guiding his people. The Psalms, which I've had the privilege of, of studying. i spent a lot of time studying the Psalms over the last few years. Uh, and again, the feet are everywhere. I looked in particular at this very small group of Psalms um, for my studies in the, the Psalms of Ascent just... Fifteen psalms, they're all very short, and the feet show up in about half of them, everywhere. Our feet are standing in your gates, O Jerusalem, we read it the, uh, when they arrive in the temple to worship God. The Lord will guard your going out and your coming in. The Lord will guide your steps. He will not let your foot stumble, promise after promise that is connected to where we place our feet. This is the Old Testament, the story of God that Jesus, of course, is grounded in. And then he comes along and says to his disciples, again, not think about me not just love me or believe in me, but follow me, walk with me, pick up your feet and step alongside me day by day, step by step and let's go together. Jesus, God amongst us is the God who walks with us. The physicality of a God who would send his son as one of us, who has a body like we have bodies, he has hands and feet and eyes and ears and all these other things as well, but who has feet and walks alongside us. Uh, Throughout the New Testament, throughout the Gospels, the idea of following Jesus and walking with him is almost used interchangeably. We read in John's Gospel in particular that there are those who walk with him and those who choose to no longer walk with him. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Anyone who walks with me will never walk in darkness. It's always connected to our feet. I love, so a couple, I think it was two of the songs we sang this evening, really had that reference to the story of Peter and Jesus walking on the water. Talk about something amazing that you do with your feet. (laughs) They didn't just walk on the shore (laughs) or dabble their feet in the water like I am there. They walked on the water, Jesus first, and then, as he always says to his disciples, follow me. Hey, look, you can do it too. And so Peter steps out in faith upon the water. Well, what about the story of the road to Emmaus after Jesus' resurrection in the end of Luke's Gospel, where there are these two people walking back home, essentially, probably to where they lived. They had the events of of, uh, the first Easter. Jesus has been crucified. They're not really sure what to do next. And they're walking along. And suddenly this man appears, and he walks alongside them a day's journey. And he opens the Scriptures to them, and he teaches them and he reveals to them how the whole Old Testament points to him. And again, it's just, just an everyday story, but I'd never really thought about the significance before, that Jesus doesn't sit down with them and open the Bible. He walks with them, and he talks with them, and he journeys with them each step of the way. Throughout the letters of Paul into the New Testament, the epistles over and over again use this idea of walking Again, often we translate it as live, but Paul often says things like walk by the Spirit, walk in faith. In fact, be be, um, be confident in how you walk towards those who are outside the church. When he's talking about mission in Colossians, he actually talks about how we walk towards those who do not yet know Jesus. It's one thing to sit and pray for people and to think about them and to hope that we connect with them, but it's another to actually get up and get on our feet and step out into that reality. In Ephesians he talks about our mission as walking. You might know Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, we are God's workmanship created in his uh, sorry created to do good works which he has prepared in advance for us. Literally in the Greek it is created to walk in good works, to walk in them, not to do them every now and then, but to step by step, day by day walk it out. And then probably one of my favourites, and this is like a, you know, whistle-stop tour of the whole Bible. But you get to the book of Revelation, the very end of the story, the goal of where this story is going. And you get this incredible picture in the last two chapters of Revelation of the new creation. The day when God is going to renew all things and set all the things right and make all the things new. And we read that there will be no sun in this new creation, which seems a little odd, because they won't need one. Why not? Because they will walk by the light of God himself. There's walking in the new creation. It's not just sitting around on a fluffy white cloud playing a harp forever. There's actually a little bit more to it than that. The picture we are given is of a continued day-by-day day walking with Jesus. So there's my little, you know, very <laughs> brief overview. And I'm telling you, next time you're reading the Bible, just keep an eye out for how many times the feet and walking are mentioned. Because like me, you might see that it is everywhere. Um, i going for time. One of the things that has sort of brought this together for me, just to be looking for some background, I guess, or information, was a, a book that I read well, during my studies. Uh, it's a book by a, a Jewish scholar, her name's Yael Avrahami, and it was called The Senses of Scripture. And she asked the question You know, we're taught commonly that we have five senses, right? So there's sight, and hearing, and taste, and smell, and touch. Right? And that dates back to the Greek philosophers. So around about 2nd, 3rd, 4th century BC, talked about you know, this idea of the senses, the way we make sense of the world, the way we connect with and take in information from inside to outside. But the Bible's much older than that. The Old Testament in particular is thousands of years older than that. And so she asks the question, how did the people of the scriptures think about the senses? How did they think about how we connect with and make sense of this world that God has placed us in? And her argument is, firstly, that they thought about it much more concretely than we do. We talk about this sense of sight as if it's this abstract thing that happens out here that I do. They just talk about the fact that I have an eye. and <laughs> just I have eyes. My eyes see. They talk about my eyes. They talk about my ears, of course, my nose, my mouth, my tongue, my hands, and my feet. And she actually suggests that in the scriptures you have seven senses, not just five. And there are people today who say you have up 27 or 35 different senses. It doesn't really matter. But I love this idea that in the scriptures, a couple of the ways that we make sense of the world. Seeing it, absolutely. Hearing what God is doing, absolutely. Smell. Think about how powerful and smell is often connected to memory and how powerful that can be. Taste. But the two that you might think are a little bit unusual is this idea of speech. She talks about speaking as one of the ways that we make sense of the world and certainly that's how the Bible talks about it. And walking. And this just uh, affirmed me no end, (laughs) like, oh, I'm not crazy. This is actually in scriptures, that walking and talking as well, which that works for me because I make sense of the world by talking about it, Uh, but walking and talking are these gifts that God has given us of how we make sense of the world, how we connect with it, how we both take in information about the world that we're in, but how we then interact with it and connect with it. And so when Jesus comes to his disciples in Matthew chapter 4. Peter and his brother Andrew are out in the boat fishing. They've never met Jesus before. That's how it seems to read. Jesus is walking along the shore and he issues this very simple call. Come, follow me. And they literally, for the next three years, walk with Jesus day by day. They sleep, you know, beside each other at night. They get up during the day. They pack up their things and they walk to the next town and they journey with him and they learn from him and they listen to him and they speak to him and they eat with him and they walk and they walk and they walk with him. And that is what it means for them to be his disciples. What does it mean for us to walk with Jesus day by day? We don't live in ancient Israel in the first century we're not out fishing in a boat with a literally you know Jesus coming along saying hey I'm going somewhere come with me but how do we connect to this image or how do I this is the question I've been asking myself and I'll put it to you as well how do I connect with this idea in a way that is more than just an idea in my head what does it mean to think about tomorrow morning where I will place my feet the place where I live The neighbours around me, the streets and the cities, the place where I go to work, the people I live amongst, the people I connect with and engage with, the land on which I live. What does it mean to walk step by step with Jesus? Certainly for me it's an encouragement to slow down. I race through life. Just living in a world of cars is kind of inevitable. (laughs) If you have to walk somewhere, you kind of have to do it in a slower way. It takes you a lot longer, much more time to think and to ponder and to wonder and to look around and to connect and to engage all of those senses. But we get in our cars and we zoom right on by. What does it mean to think about walking with Jesus step by step in a world where we so often don't walk? What does it mean for you to think about where you place your feet and how Jesus is calling you to follow him? So as I said, for me, it encourages me to slow down. It encourages me to connect. I think about walking, as I said, I live in the city, so I think about walking the streets of my neighbourhood and I wonder if I am walking, what do I see and when do I cross the road that I might have just been tempted to pass on by? If I am walking step by step with Jesus and I see a person, homeless, with a sign, (laughs) lying rough, where do my feet take me, away or towards? What does it mean to walk with Jesus step by step, the places he will take me, the people I will encounter? It's really encouraged me with this idea of groundedness. Sometimes I think, for me, again, I need to take off my shoes (laughs) and actually feel the grass and appreciate the beauty of God's creation and then feel the roughness of the roads and the harshness of the world in which we live and some people live really doing it really tough and to have that sense of connection and groundedness with the reality in which people live rather than setting myself I guess in some way above it or beside it creating for myself, you know, a house and a carpet and all these different layers that disconnect me from the grounded reality of where the people around me live. I don't know if that makes, it makes sense to you, but for me that's just been a real challenge, slowing down, connecting and being grounded. It makes me think about my neighbourhood and who I am walking towards. I loved what Ben had to say before about this church, you know, not being just something that is, is in, but it's about going out. One of the things I love about the image of following Jesus, Jesus says, come follow me. And I imagine if Jesus were standing here tonight, he wouldn't be standing here down the front of the church saying, come, gather round me. The image of follow me is like, I'm going somewhere. Yeah, I'm on I'm, my I'm way out. I'm about to walk somewhere. Are you going to come with me or not? Yeah, it's a going image, not a coming image. Now, there's nothing wrong with coming together on a night like this. It's wonderful to celebrate together. But following Jesus, walking with him is about going out. He is on an adventure. He is on his way somewhere. He is walking towards a world that desperately needs him and longs for him even if they don't know it. And there's an invitation in that for us. Get on board. Come with me. The other thing about following Jesus and walking as well for me is the idea of risk. Following Jesus is a bit of a risky thing to do because you don't know where he's going to go. You have to trust and take the adventure of following in His footsteps. Have you ever played that game, Follow the Leader? Anyone? You're a kid. Yep. I've been thinking about this last year, and I was on Easter camp, so I tried this as an experiment. I was running in a workshop, and kids were kind of getting a bit. It's like, All right, let's get up, let's just have you know, fun brain break. But I was actually secretly going, I want to see what happens. So we're going to play Follow the Leader, and nearly everything that the leader, we swapped leaders around. The, nearly everything that the person who was the leader did was involved to their feet. Right? <laughs> So it was always about, I'm going to, but, but I, I'm going to run and you all have to run too. Or I'm going to walk in this really crazy, like, you know, I'm going to go over there and then I'm going to go over there and I'm going to go up and down and under here and you're all going to... You know, suddenly the person who is in charge is just really trying to get people to go all different directions, all different places, all different ways. And those who are following just have to trust and have to go with it and have to step out into it, even though it looks really odd and sometimes feels really uncomfortable There's a sense of risk in trusting that you are following someone else, following the leader. And so for me, following Jesus has this element of risk, of walking where he walks, not where I choose to walk. It might be less comfortable than the ground on which I would choose to place my feet. uh, But it's where he wants to take me. Francis Chan is a... um, a preacher for the United, from the United States, and he has this incredible image, and I, I wish I could do it for you tonight, but I already told you that I'm clumsy, so I'd probably break something if I tried. <laughs> but he uses this analogy of the balance beam, and he actually gets up and does it as he's telling you about it, but I'm just going to tell you. <laughs> he says, you know, following Jesus is a little bit like walking on a balance beam. You know the ones the gymnasts have? And kind of, if you think about this high, just that really narrow path, and you get up and you're called to follow and walk along it. Um... And that's, you know, that's what following Jesus is. There's a sense of risk. You could fall off. You could make a mistake, you know, this kind of thing. So he gets up on this balance beam. He's trying to talk this story about how, you know, Jesus is calling us to walk along it very carefully. And then he says, but what most of us do, so what most of us do is we get up on this balance beam and we think, oh, this is a bit scary. I might fall off. And if I fell off, I might hurt myself. And so he lies down on the beam and hugs it and then kind of inches his way along. You know what I mean? And so this is what we do. And he performs this kind of, gymnastics routine where he's just hugging it. and he says, you know we, we cocoon ourselves and we live in safe neighborhoods and we send our kids to good schools and we we do the safe things because we don't want to take the risk and then he inches his way along this balance beam and then he says what's going to happen we're going to get to the end of the routine and we dismount off the balance beam which he does by just dropping <laughs> to the end and then he says we stand before the judge of the universe and we do this had the gymnast do that great thing at the end. Look at my routine. Look at this incredible feat I performed. It is just, like Google it. It's on YouTube. It is a really, really funny clip, but it's also so powerful. Because too many Christians think that following Jesus is about hugging the road, taking the safest option, protecting ourselves, keeping ourselves in. Following Jesus is about stepping out into the risk and knowing that you might fall. He'll get you <laughs> and he'll put you back up again. <laughs> but we don't even take the risk of possibly falling. We hold so tight to the things that we think are going to make it right. What is God going to say to us about that? One of my favourite songs, um, I don't think we sing it anymore. The church I go to doesn't sing it, but there was this song we used to sing at my church which had this line in it, Jesus, you're my great adventure. And we would sing this line with gusto. You know, Jesus, you're my great adventure. I'll follow you wherever you go. And then we get in our cars and drive into our safe little houses and go about our safe little weeks, making sure that nothing went wrong. When Jesus has invited us to step out and follow him, where is he calling you to place your feet? So that's the challenge I want to leave you with tonight. Have a look at your feet again. And I want you to think about tomorrow. Where are your feet going to be standing where are they going to be walking? Who might they encounter? What about the rest of the week? What are the places and the neighbourhoods and the people that Jesus is inviting you out into? What does it look like to follow in his footsteps when you get there? I don't know if this is going to work for everyone or it's just something for me, but when I'm conscious about it, when I stop and think about my feet in the day-to-day world, of when I'm walking down the street or when I'm at work or when I'm you know, on my way somewhere... And I think about following in the footsteps of Jesus. I suddenly find that maybe I'm going over here (laughs) instead of just walking along here. There are people that I might not have noticed before. But God brings them to mind because I have chosen to think about where I'm going to place my feet in following Jesus. Where is he walking before you and where is he inviting you to walk in his footsteps? I think it challenges our day-to-day, where we choose to cross the street and meet someone in need, where we spend our time, the people we interact with. And I think it challenges us on a bigger level as well, where we choose to place our feet in the long term. For many of us, it's in our local neighbourhood, amongst the people that we live beside and we're called to minister to and bring the gospel to, certainly for a local church. What does it mean for this church to walk in this neighbourhood as followers of Jesus, out into the streets and the schools and the communities? And I don't know what else there is that you're working with, but the people that you engage with and interact with. But maybe for some of you, it's about stepping out into something else. There are those that God calls to actually step out and walk amongst the poorest people of the earth or the people who've never heard of Jesus around the world. The places where Jesus is inviting his people to go are challenging and uncomfortable and risky. But that's where Jesus walks, in all those places. And I think I would re- be remiss if I didn't name, certainly as an Australian, what it means to consider living as the people of Jesus on this land in which we live. I certainly don't have the answers. I listen to my Indigenous brothers and sisters talk about this and I think, oh, I've got no idea where we're going to go with this. But what does it mean as the followers of Jesus in this country to be reconciled and walking in friendship with the people to whom God originally gave this land and on whose land we walk and to listen to them and to learn from them because they are incredible people of faith the number of indigenous Australians who've responded to the gospel is the percentage is far far higher than pretty much all the rest of us who've come after them what do we have to learn from them and listen to them and how does following Jesus with our feet connect with them So there's a few thoughts, a few challenges, a few questions for you as an individual where you go tomorrow, the next day and where you place your feet, for you as a church as you seek to walk in this neighbourhood in the footsteps of Jesus and to follow him and for us as a community in this nation and I guess I could add to that, you know, for us globally as the church in this world, what does it look like to follow Jesus with our feet step by step and day by day? And maybe I'll end with this. The encouraging thing about following Jesus step by step, I've given you all the negatives. It's uncomfortable and it's risky and you don't know where you're going and you're going to end up in crazy places that you didn't expect to be. But you know what it also does, following Jesus? It takes the pressure off. I don't need to know where I'm going to be in a month's time, in 10 years' time. I just need to know where I place my foot next. That's the beauty of following Jesus. So I'm going to pray for you guys. I'd love to pray for each of you and for you as a church. It would be great. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this really simple and yet really challenging call that you gave to your disciples at the beginning and you give to us again and again, day by day. Come, follow me. Lord, as your church, we want to be your disciples, people who walk with you who walk in your footsteps, who follow you, who take step by step as you lead us and guide us to the places where you want to go, to the people that you want to love and reach out to, to the neighbourhoods and the streets and the nations that you are seeking to walk amongst. Lord, tonight I want to pray for each person here and for myself, for each one of us. Really simply and practically, Lord, as we wake up tomorrow morning, Help us to think about where we are placing our feet and what it looks like to follow you in the grounded, concrete reality of our lives every day and every moment. The places we go, the people we meet, step by step show us how to walk with you. And Lord, for this church, this incredible thing that you have done over the last 12 months in particular in bringing this community together in this place, in this neighbourhood, amongst the streets and the schools and the community that they live and work and play and walk amongst. Lord, may this church be a church that walks in your footsteps and follows you, Jesus, and that invites others onto that great adventure of following you. I pray that this would be a church that is always like you, walking towards, going out, stepping into the adventure that you have of making yourself known. And Lord, for our church in this country and for your church around the world, show us what it looks like to follow you in a world of so much mess and confusion and darkness and brokenness. May we, as your people, walk in the light, the light that you give. I'd love to wave a magic wand and change everything (laughs) forever, but that's not how you work. You call us to take the next step. Would you show us what that is and give us the faith to take it? And I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.